Blog Talk Radio. Lucid's Trust, a non-profit, non-political, and non-sectarian organization on the roster of the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations, and concerned with the establishment of world cooperation and goodwill presents Inner Sight with your host, Robert Anderson. He, with Sarah and Dale McKechnie, President and Vice President of Lucis Trust, will discuss philosophical and spiritual topics essential to everyday life. Now here's your host, Robert Anderson. Welcome. Inner sight is simply seeing that which is always present, but not yet fully recognized. You have, within you, the ability to see yourself and the world around you in a new way with new eyes. So, stay with us and, together, we'll look at the world and ourselves with inner sight. Our topic for today, the nature of emotions, part two. Before we explore this topic, I'd like to say a few words about Alice Bailey. Alice Bailey is the founder of the Lucis Trust, and the Lucis Trust sponsors this show. Alice Bailey also wrote 24 books of esoteric philosophy, and those 24 books are the main inspiration for the dialogue that you hear on this show. The following thought is also from the works of Alice Bailey. There is a great need today for the thinking people of the world to cooperate more fully and freely in the enlightenment of the world. This depends, as far as the individual is concerned, upon the power to live each day as a soul, free from fear, free from self-consciousness, and free from those reactions which stir the astral or emotional body into activity. Why did the Buddha give such a strong warning against desire? Desire is uh, a powerful expression of the emotional nature that um, probably we could say almost every human being is is driven by. And the Buddha saw into the power of desire and the the corrupting influence of desire uh, better than anybody ever had before his time. And his teaching, the essence of the Buddha's teaching is about guarding ourselves and protecting ourselves from the driving force of desire. That's why he emphasized detachment so strongly. And yet when you think of Buddhists, for the Dalai Lama, for example, you think of joyful beings who are free within themselves, uh, lighthearted, um, released from some of the compelling, painful emotions that so many people are driven by, So the overcoming of desire doesn't mean that all the vitality and warmth goes out of life. It means release, I think. And he, the Buddha, understood that desire is, you could say, a kind of an imprisoning power over one's uh, life and consciousness. It has a grip on us when we're in the control of desire that subordinates all common sense and all willingness to be um, observant of the greater good and uh, everything is subordinated to self-interest and self-fulfillment it's inherently uh, deeply selfish 
Well, yes, it, it is selfish, uh, it, depending on the state of one's consciousness, whether he's focused in the little self or uh, not. And But it's something we can't really escape at first. And um, even though what the Buddha was trying to help us find the way that we could escape from desire, from this force, it's, it's a, a force that actually it's, it's uh, something we, we live and breathe within the body of God. It's, it's the desire nature of God that we are a part of. God has the same desire to incarnate through this planet. And uh, by doing so, he undergoes certain limitations. And he, he does so for certain purposes to work at a, out the redemptive nature and to redeem the quality of the substance of this planet. So uh, we are all caught up in the desire of God and we are a part of that great whole. So we can't really escape desire at first, but there is a way to develop a certain detachment from it that will eventually bring about that liberation that the Buddha was talking about. Yes, I think you can't really kill out desire, but you can transmute it and redirect it uh, so that it gradually elevates itself to a more spiritual aspiration. In fact, desire lies at the very base of all willingness to evolve spiritually. It's that power that drives the human being forward in evolution. And that's why I've always believed that um, basically people should get what they want. Because I think we learn, as some very wise person said, through means of evil that good is best. We learn the hard way. We learn through bitter experience to gradually elevate the nature of our desires so that we are released from the constant pain and suffering that the very selfish self-focus inevitably uh, engenders. We learn that caring for others and identifying with the greater good and eventually with humanity as a whole is infinitely preferable to self-interest. And that's an expression of desire, I think, that's elevated onto a a more spiritual level. Right, and that's the objective behind all of the, well, in fact, all the teachings in, in the Bailey books. It is, uh, that is the objective to give us the tools by which we can elevate ourselves, our consciousness, and in effect uh, find that path of escape from this material world because as long as we are involved in the material world there will be a certain strength of desire and desire uh, as many of us uh, find out that the desire for material things just keep us on a particular level and as long as that that focus lies at the material side and then this desire will never be uh, satiated, will never be satisfied. So it uh, it's something that we all, if you really are dissatisfied with the 
constant pain and struggle within the physical world, then there is a way out, but one must begin to look at this des- your own desire nature and try to bring it under control. That reminds me of something I was reading in the paper just the other day about a famous person in Hollywood. I don't remember her name, and I wouldn't say it anyway, but um, she has decided to move out of a 55,000-square-foot home to a 6,000-square-foot home, no, 16,000-square-foot condominium. For her, this is a big step. <laughs> she has to give up a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and everything is relative. You know, for her, that's a step forward, I suppose, to give up all these uh, incredible possessions in this lavish estate. Everybody's at a different point on the spectrum of uh, releasing themselves from desire or learning that they should try to release themselves from desire. Alice Bailey um, traces out the development of desire uh, all the way from material desire for possessions to the desire for that which somebody else has. And isn't that one of the seven deadly deadly sins, uh, covetousness? It's not good to covet what somebody else has. And then that's followed by the personality aims and ambitions of the ordinary striving human being, followed by aspiration, which leads one to tread the mystical way, the spiritual way. And that leads on to purification, which is handling desire in a more um, elevated way, being very conscious of one's habits and um, um, compelling urges and so on. And finally, it leads to initiation, to the release into the true spiritual life. So desire is like a motor or an engine that drives the human being along the path of evolution. And uh, the objective, as I said earlier, isn't to just kill it out, but to elevate it. Right, and I think that's kind of a lesson that many uh, materially oriented uh, nations today, are, or the people in the nations today are going through, um, is to how to elevate <laughs> desire, because I think it's... it's uh, at the root of uh, the housing collapse, uh, mm-hmm. the meltdown, the prime subprime meltdown, there's so much desire for homes that we can't afford to buy and all the stuff to um, uh, furnish these homes. And you, you can see the desire to, to make money through loans, through uh, banking and whatever. And it desire... Every step of the way, there is a certain degree of desire that is motivating all of these people that uh, have now lost everything. Let's say so. I think it's uh, a great, uh, a great lesson in there is a need here to change the focus and to <clears throat> begin not only to regulate say the banking industry but regulate your own desire nature and yet there's so much fear and um, suffering associated with uh, this um, period that we're living in where people are finding that uh, their expected future isn't going to pan out the way they had hoped 
I always have loved those words of St. Paul. He said, I have learned in whatsoever state I find myself therein to be content. And I've always loved that that realization because it's saying that sometimes giving up what we have emotionally wanted and depended upon uh, isn't as bad as we think it will be. Something else comes along to um, take its place. And this living with a light touch is so important in learning to regulate the, the nature of the emotions. Learning to release that which is um, being taken away from us, to let it go with the expectation that something else will replace it is very freeing, I think. For those people who just tuned in, <coughs> you're listening to Inner Sight. Our topic for today, The Nature of Emotions, Part 2. And for those people who are new to the Alice Bailey work, uh, who are new as listeners to the show, and it seems like uh, through the station we're always picking up, picking up new listeners, and we welcome you. But what you might want to do to get started is... Uh, uh, is key into some of the early books. So there's 20, as we say in the beginning of the show, there are 24 books of esoteric philosophy written by Alice Bailey. And you might want to know what to begin with and where to start. So if you are uh, interested and motivated to read the Alice Bailey books, what you might do is start with uh, what I did. I started reading the um, Alice Bailey autobiography. Actually, it's the unfinished autobiography, but so much of her her life is written about in that autobiography. You'll also find out something about her personality, uh, what she experienced as a person, something about her history, and I think you'll find her quite human and, and quite real, and you'll be able to identify with her in so many ways. That's one book you might start with. Another book you might start with is a book uh, written by Alice Bailey, or one of the Bailey books called Ponder on This. Uh, that's the title of it, Ponder on This, and I especially like that book because that's another early book that I read, and it's good because uh, it's an overview book, and what happens within um, uh, the context of Ponder ponder on this is you get uh, an abridged version of each of the 24 uh, esoteric books written by Alice Bailey, and so it it more or less gives you an idea about which books you want to look at first. You can develop a, a priority of which books you'd like to go to, so if you'd like to get started with the Alice Bailey books, there are 24 uh, books of esoteric philosophy written by Alice Bailey. What you might want to do is uh, give us a call on our toll-free number and uh, purchase those books. Uh, they're certainly not very expensive. one 695 8247 What some people like to do, and you can get a discount if you order the books through... Uh, uh, Lucy's Trust, which is the number I just gave, one eight six 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 nine five eight two four seven. 695 Some people buy the entire 24 esoteric philosophy books, and uh, I think those people who have been with this show for a, a long amount of time, they are more apt to key into that total purchase. But if you do that, you get a, uh, a discount, a significant discount, uh, 10%, on the entire collection of 24 esoteric philosophy books by Alice Bailey. Uh, so, once again, the toll-free number is one eight six six ny lucis Think of one eight six six new york lucis lucis L-U-C-I-S. Also, we appreciate your support. We appreciate appreciate your donations. That's what uh, 
keeps us on the air, and we've been having a challenging time, and uh, our contract with WOR has more or less been week to week, but that's uh, been very good on their part to uh, work with us, as they have been. Uh, so if you continue to support us in these uh, difficult economic times, we certainly appreciate that support. We certainly understand that that support is no longer possible because we are challenged by these economics, as you are too. So once again, if you'd like to send donations to uh, Lewis's Trust, uh, please do so. You can send all donations, tax-deductible donations, to Lucis Trust, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. I, uh, I suppose that um, our greatest desire is to free all of you from hearing me talk about donations every week, and that could be done by uh, some corporation who might want to underwrite us, and uh, we would mention your name every week and give you credit for underwriting us, but that would free us from uh, these uh, calls for donations if some corporation could do that. So... Once one more uh, bit of uh, one more item here is our uh, website. We have a website, and uh, all of our inner site programs can be heard on our website at www.lucistrust.org. On the homepage, you'll find a link to today's program, which will be available for hearing in a day or two. Last week's program is already available, and many of our past programs can also be heard. www.lucistrust.org. The theme of each week's program is posted in advance on our website also so that you can see in advance what next Sunday's program will be. Uh, once again, our show, The Nature of Emotions, Part 2. I was thinking in reference to the quote that I began the show with, uh, that, um, uh, and I'll quote again part of the quotation, uh, This depends. The enlightenment of the world depends upon the power to live each day as a soul free from fear, free from self-consciousness, and free from those reactions which stir the astral or emotional body into activity. I was wondering, this kind of is an enigma to me, uh, what, why is it necessary if one wants to live uh, his life in sync with the soul values, why is it necessary to be free from self-consciousness? In that uh, particular context, I think the uh, references to the self-focus, the direction of the gaze inward upon the personality, which is a separated unit, rather than outward into humanity. And uh, the nature of emotion is that it is focused upon the individual separated self and its fulfillment of its desires and its um, uh, aversions. The, the emotions are... Um, by nature, a whirlpool that turns inward upon the the isolated, separated self, and that's quite different from the expression of the heart, which is oriented toward um, uh, inclusiveness, toward union with the whole of humanity. The very nature of the heart is that it is attuned to uh, the whole of uh, the human experience whereas the emotions are self-serving. And that's a good key or guideline to keep in mind when you're trying to distinguish between the two. If what you are feeling is essentially working in the interests of the, uh, the personality, the separated self, rather than contributing to the greater good of the group or the family or uh, whatever, you can say that you're having an emotion and not a, a function of the heart. It's so hard for people to 
identify when they are being governed by emotions. It's hard for all of us. Uh, we might think we're thinking, but in fact we're being driven by emotion, and yet we don't realize it. As I listen to the discussion going on throughout this whole political uh, campaign, it's interesting to see how people basically respond to the candidates uh, with a thumbs up or a thumbs down based on what they already have concluded. Their minds are, I think, basically already made up and they've got their point of view and they then interpret and react to what the candidates say uh, based on whether they like that candidate or they like the other one, if you follow me. It's hard for the candidates to get a new idea into the consciousness of the public because so many people have already made their mind up. and. That's okay if you've made your decision legitimately, but you should be aware that you've made your decision and that you're probably not really hearing what they have to say with a truly open mind. Right, and I suppose the desire nature is working at at that kind of a decision. Uh, The desire for somebody who will fulfill their particular needs or their particular desires and uh, so they they, they um, see their candidates in, in those terms. And that's how generally most people look at life, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. is, is how does it affect me? And um, so to find somebody that is truly selfless and desireless uh, is kind of a rarity probably today. But um, there are those out there who, who are trying and they are not satisfied with this purely desire life and the material life, and they are trying to work their way out of it. I think it's really hard to know um, if you're seeing a situation or a problem clearly and in the light of truth, because so many of us see what we expect to see or what we want to see, and we don't realize it we look through a lens that is already colored by our own past experience and emotion and that's what prejudice is, pre-judgment. We've made up our mind or more accurately we've made up our emotion and that's the lens through which we see new situations, new people, new problems. We see what we want to see, what we expect to see. How to clear away that lens is not easy but there's a a certain degree of truthfulness that we can be, we can try to impose on our reactions and our thoughts and our perceptions. Just standing back for a moment when we've formed an opinion and saying, is this really true? Or is it just what I assume? Is it really true and how do I know? Right, and that's kind of taking the position of the observer, as mm-hmm. it's as we call it. And uh, that's more in the line of what the soul does. It stands back and uh, uh, lets this uh, personality life play itself out and the personality goes through all kinds of pain and struggle and strife and uh, gradually, gradually over many incarnations it begins to be dissatisfied with uh, this struggle. So it, uh, that struggle that is largely um, driven by desires of some kind Mm -hmm. for something, Mm -hmm. whether it's desire for 
money or desire for fame and fortune or desire for desire for for God for that matter it could be you could go to the other extreme I mean there's desire for purely material things and there's desire part on the on the part of the mystic perhaps the desire to be unified with God well there is that um, great um, uh, pair of opposites as they're called and it's finding the point of balance in between this that's really what you need to do. Well, you can see the absurdity of how this uh, emotional reaction to the aspiration for God can go when you look at religious fanatics. And they aren't in only one religion, but in many religions where their desire for divinity, to know God, is so emotional and so unthinking that they're willing literally to kill to attain that that uh, that oneness with God, it makes no sense at all if you think about it. But they're not thinking. Um, no, and and they're they're also driven by this glamorous, illusory image that they have of heaven and mm-hmm. what they're going to encounter there. So I mean, it's not only the desire run amok, but it's also the uh, illusions that they have about what life is going to be on the other side after they've killed everybody else. <laughs> They'll be lonely. <laughs> the, the mind, what can we say to stress the, the role of the mind as the means by which one becomes freed from emotion? The mind is the means by which light, the light of the soul, pours into the consciousness. And I don't just mean the concrete mind, but the higher mind and the intuition that are tapped through meditation. This lets in the light of reality, and it's a clear, cold light, as the books of Alice Bailey say, but it's not, a, it's not an unkind light. It's clear and revealing, and it has its own beauty. When one is so accustomed to living in the warmth of the emotional realm, this clear, cold light of the mind can seem rather unappealing. But when you've had enough of living in the emotional realm, you can aspire to it, and the best way to achieve mm-hmm. it is through meditation. Right, because in that light you shall see light, as it says. And um, so, the, yes, meditation, a good technique of meditation, uh, is perhaps the beginning of the path towards liberation. So uh, if anybody is really at that point where they want to, um, they want to begin to take their life in, in hand, then meditation is a good technique to practice. For those people who have been with us for this whole show, I'd like you to consider donating to Lucy's Trust. And once again, if you want to make donations, send donations, they're tax deductible to Lucy's Trust, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York. 10005. That's Lucis Trust, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. And if you'd like to get in contact with us for any reason, uh, give us a call at 1 866 695 8247. That's 1 866 695 8247. The easy way to remember it, 1 866 NY Lucis. Think of 1 866 New York Lucis. You've been listening to Inner Sight. 
Now, we would like to close with a world prayer called the Great Invocation. It's a call for light and love and goodwill to flow into the world and into our hearts. Let's listen for a moment to these powerful words. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Got to get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.